Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Matthew 18, 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. If I truly tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, my name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here, and I feel very echoey. Is that better? Okay. Uh, what a dreary day. Can I tell? Does it feel dreary in here? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to force you to be happy, or <laughs> that would just be false, right? Uh, and then we have this scripture passage that does it, anybody feel triggered by it a little bit? Yes. Yes. We're going to talk about that. So we're dreary and feeling triggered. This is a great beginning uh, to this sermon. Let's, uh, let's, let's do a real beginning and begin with prayer. Holy and gracious God, for the gift of this day that is new every morning, even when it feels dreary, we catch a glimpse of something new and mysterious in this day. For the gift of this community, for the gift of this space, and for the gift of your holy word, open our hearts and our minds, open my mouth, that we might catch a glimpse of mystery and newness in this tired and old worn passage that we might see how it is calling us this day and every day. Amen. So today we are wrapping up our sermon series called Naked, uh, Getting Vulnerable with God. We, uh, we have some great things coming up, Passion Sunday and Easter, and we might talk about nakedness in them a little bit, but the official close of the sermon series ends today. This series has been about helping you craft a life of prayer does anybody remember the definition that we've been hopefully hammering over and over about what prayer is? A shared life with God. It's so easy to remember. Yeah. Woo. Check. Mission accomplished. 
We have been hoping that this sermon series will help you truly share your life with God. Um, in the second week, we talked about the ways that we can run from God like Moses and, and hide parts of who we are in the hopes that God won't discover them, right? In the third week, we talked about forgiveness and how we have made mistakes in there, and people have made mistakes against us and how we are called to forgive. And, and sometimes that forgiveness is for others and sometimes it's for ourselves. And then last week, we talked about the parts of our life that we do the ugly cry in. And we want to we wanna hide those parts, too, from God, but about how important it is to, to share your life, those messy parts, those longing parts with God, too. That Basically, the sermon series is that God desires us to share all of who we are with God, not under some sort of forced um, necessity, but because God requires, not requires, desires true companionship, true intimacy, true vulnerability. Um, and as we end this sermon series today, we're going to be talking about how vulnerability with God, shared life with God, leads to vulnerability with others. And here's a teaser we're going to talk about a little bit today. After Easter, we're going to do a whole sermon series on friendship. So we're going to get to talk about all of this messiness of what it means to be a friend and how to share life with people. Um, so we're just getting a little bit into it today and, and look forward to that post-Easter. It's going to be great. It's called FaceTime. I think it's actually impossible, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I think it's actually impossible to craft a shared life with God that does not lead to community, right? Shared life with God always leads to shared life with other people. As you all know, I drink a lot of coffee, and I meet with a lot of people in coffee shops. And over and over again, I hear people use this term, spiritual but not religious. Anybody has that, have those words ever come out of your mouth before? Yeah, spiritual but not religious. And oftentimes when people are label, using this label of spiritual but not religious, there's two sort of things that they're, they're talking about themselves and they're saying, you know, I, I believe in a higher power and I uh, connect to that, but I don't want to get, it, but I'm new and this like church thing feels weird and I'm not sure about religion, right? Sometimes uh, I hear it, um, described about themselves, and sometimes I hear it described about their significant other. I'll meet with them one-on-one, and and the person will say, oh, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, my partner is spiritual but not religious. It's sort of an excuse as to why you'll see that. I'll see that person in worship but not their significant other, right? Um, But I think oftentimes what's behind this label of spiritual but not religious actually comes from scripture passages like today, People have had a harmful experience with the church. The church, not necessarily this one, but the church, you know, in media or maybe actually in a church life. People have had a a harmful experience, and so they have somehow been excommunicated or asked to leave or told they didn't belong or told they were a sinner. Yeah? Has anybody had that experience? Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. Um, if I had had that sort of experience, I'd be labeling myself as spiritual but not religious, too. Um, the problem is 
that if we are truly spiritual, if we are truly crafting a shared life with God, if we are truly maybe committing to some sort of prayer life or uh, devotional reading and opening ourselves up to the mystery of God, it is impossible to do that in isolation of community. Eventually, we are always led back to community, right? Now, it is possible to, for a short period of time to be spiritual but not be in community. Jesus went away into the desert for 40 days and was able to pray, and, and that was cleansing and purifying for him, right? But another thing that I hear over and over in coffee shops is people saying, I'm spiritual but not religious, and yet I found myself in this church because I'm longing for community. I'm longing for connectedness. And I think those are people who have been crafting a shared life with God and have felt that call to be in community, right? How many of you have experienced that? Yeah. Now, this means that being spiritual but not religious, it does, if, if we're called to community, it doesn't mean we have to suddenly take on all the dogmatic practices of that faith or, or that we have to belong to some sort of religion that's a character of itself, right? The, maybe the religion that we see portrayed in the news or the media. Um, but it does mean we have to figure out how to be in a community with people that are trying to figure out how to do this thing called faith and life together, right? How to live faithfully, to live in the scriptures, to, to live a gospel life, and yet a life full of grace and love, right? So how do we do that? That's, that's the question. I do think that when we come into community, we can all take a lead from Devin's testimony, we have to be vulnerable. We have to share who we are in that super scary space. To be in a community and to share bravely who we are, our experiences, our vulnerabilities, our fears, our history, our, our longings, the places where we have just effed up, right? And it doesn't mean like, you come and the first day you're here at UVC, you give testimony and you like share your whole thing, right? But it means that as we get to know one another, we start to share some of those stories that have meaning and significance for us. We start to share some of our hopes and some of our shortcomings, how we mess up. It's a super risky place to be. Super risky place to be. And I think that what undergirds all of this, what, what this scripture is talking about, what is, is that the life of prayer is the foundation for how we share life together. That a life of prayer is what causes us to create safe space so that we can share all of these pieces of who we are. Prayer is what binds us together. Prayer is what allows us to trust one another Prayer is what um, indwells grace within us, that we can be that community together. About four years ago, when I started leading uh, Starting Point, maybe it was three and a half years ago, um, at the end of every small group, I would say, does anybody have any prayer requests? Do we have any joys or concerns? And people would start sharing and I would find that they would look right at me and they would say, yes, Brittany, I have, 
have a joy, and then they would tell me, and oh, Brittany, I have a concern, and they would tell me. And I, and I left that small group realizing, these people aren't like sharing with, their with each other, they're sharing with me, right? And this is just in a side note, but one of the things that I'm realizing is that um, when you're the pastor of a community, I think people think that um, when I get down on my knees and pray, I have a, like a red, a red phone, that God answers the red phone, <laughs> you know? And that when you all pray, or you might get, when you all pray, you might get God's voicemail. So it's like, they're like, yes, Brittany, I have a prayer request. Um, I joke about that, but you know, you know it doesn't work that way, right? So I was like, how can I, how can I build this community so that they are not telling me all of their prayer? I mean, and it's fine. It's an honor and a privilege and a joy to, to hear where you are, and I, and I gladly hear anytime you need prayer. But I'm only one person, and look at all these people around the room, right? And I thought, how can I get them to share with each other? And so I said, the next week I said, does anybody have any prayer requests? And this guy, Tim, not, he's not around anymore, and he said, uh, I think he moved. I don't know where he moved. <laughs> Too many people move. And he said, yeah, um, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety. And... Uh, I don't know what to do with it, but I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, and I can, can you pray for me? Looking right at me, you know. And I said, who wants to pray for Tim this week? And that small group that had been really chatty suddenly was like as quiet <laughs> as could be. And then one brave yet timid, if those can go together, person raised their hand slowly and said, I will. I'll pray for Tim. And then a woman named Erin said, you know, I'm new to the city, and I'm really missing my family. So lonely. I just talk with them on the phone, and it helps, but it also makes it worse. Can somebody pray for me? And somebody else in the room said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you, Erin. And in that moment, suddenly, for that week, they were going to be praying for each other. That was awesome. Because this connection was made as they were holding each other in prayer throughout the week. I'll never forget, a couple of months later, Erin was giving testimony in this community. And she said a line, something about secretly praying for people in the midst of her loneliness and sadness, and how her secret prayers, I don't know why they had to be secret, but they were, how her secret prayers turned into friendship. How the people that she was praying for quietly turned into her friends and her community. Isn't that beautiful? I want some of that. And now I've totally lost my place. <laughs> this is what vulnerability does, though, when we share it with each other. We start to take risks, and the community holds us in the risks that we take, in the sharing of our longings, and our loneliness, and our grief, and our anxiety. 
the body of Christ gets built up in that. This vulnerability, though, it also leads to accountability. And here is where I imagine your heart might start to begin beating a little faster because I've just brought up the accountability word. People can become easily alienated by the word accountability, by this idea of accountability. But when we have a faithful relationship with one another, when we are truly approaching people out of a spirit of prayer and love, accountability is actually an action of grace. I know that sounds weird, but I'm gonna tell you a story about it in a minute so you can see. This is what the scripture passage is talking about. It's talking about holding people accountable as an act of grace when we see that they have caused harm, right? And Jesus says, you know, so what you do is you go to the person and you talk to the person about it. And if, if the person um, doesn't hear you, try again, but bring some other people and talk with them about it. And if, if they still don't hear you, here's the interesting part. It says to treat them as you would a Gentile or tax collector. Now, I'll say the traditional interpretation of the scripture. What do we think when we say treat them as a, a Gentile or tax collector? What are you supposed to do? Yep, outcast, right? How many of you read, when you were in high school, like all the, maybe this is just me, like all the Amish shunning novels, uh, fiction? My grandmother and I were like passing them back and forth. We read them all, no, am I the only one? Okay. (laughs) Just remember vulnerability, hold that in grace, y'all. We'd read those those novels, hold it in grace, it's all all love. Traditionally, we think about shunning. Oh, Jesus must mean that we are supposed to shun that person, treat them as a a tax collector or a Gentile. But the interesting thing is when I look at scripture and I see how Jesus treats people, how does Jesus treat tax collectors? Well, the story I can think of is Zacchaeus. And Jesus is full of grace towards Zacchaeus. Jesus says, I'm going I'm to eat at your house, Zacchaeus, which is just a sign of uh, grace and hospitality. So, I, I mean, I don't know what you think. And I, and I think about Gentiles, but I don't know what you think, but when Jesus says treat them as Gentiles and tax collectors, I think he must be saying to treat them with grace. To treat them with care and respect. To treat them as you would a fellow struggler on the journey. See, ultimately, having shared community, being vulnerable with each other, and resolving our differences, or having or living in a space of unresolved differences, it means that we're treating each other with grace and care. And giving people the benefit of the doubt. When do we do that anymore? Basically, if you, uh, if you want an example of how not to do this, just look at um, the presidential candidates and how they treat each other. <laughs> That's how not to do it. Um, but it makes sense, right? Because they're not in community to each other. They're not in prayer for one another. But what does it mean if we are in community to it? with each other, if we've committed to being the body of Christ together, if we're praying for one another. It's not forced nicety that I'm talking about. 
I'm not talking about this like, oh, this, this person is mean, just fake it and be nice. Smile and cover it all up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that's like, when you commit to a deep life of prayer, that something dwells up within you. I'm gonna call it grace. I'm gonna call it a gift from God that allows you to care for that person in a way that you cannot do on your own, right? That's what I'm talking about. Prayer increases our capacity to love and care for those around us, right? So a friend of mine, he serves a pastor, uh, as a pastor in a church in uh, the suburbs. Most churches in the suburbs are old and they have lots of committees and very few small groups. <laughs> Just a fact of life. Um, and he has had this small group leader, I'm gonna call her Elaine, and Elaine had been leaving the small group for about five or six years, so it was one of the few small groups in the church. And Elaine's leadership had been strong and solid, and suddenly she was just uh, not showing up prepared for her small groups, and um, having good excuses, but just like something was a little off. And the reason my friend knew about it is because some of the people from Elaine's small group came to him and said, you need to fix Elaine because she's just not doing her job. And my friend was like, well, maybe actually, sort of taking this scripture passage, maybe you should talk to Elaine. And so, now I'm just gonna pause here. A lot of times I think we think that when we're Christian, we're supposed to just be nice. Right? Like we don't need to cause conflict. We just wanna be nice, right? And so when somebody is not uh, showing up prepared for their small group, we're just like, well, let's just give them grace. We use that word, we'll give them grace, right? And uh, so they were like, what, us talk to Elaine? We just want you to deal with it, pastor. Uh, but my friend talked, talked them through it and they went to talk to Elaine. And they said, hey Elaine, What's going on? And you know what? Elaine was having a crisis of faith. She felt like she couldn't talk about it in her small group. And so it was a, but it was affecting her small group, right? And so actually her small group leaders coming, not, not leaders, her small group members coming to her and saying, Elaine, what's going on was like a moment of grace for her because she could share what was happening. She could share, I'm having a hard time. This has happened in my life, and I don't know what to do with it. And it is affecting my performance, and I was trying to cover it up, and now y'all know my business, and it feels so much better, right? Because now we're sharing all of that together. Maybe if Elaine would have been vulnerable in the first place, we would have avoided this, right? But, and the community came together. And they said, you know what, Elaine? You have been leading this group for six years. Why don't you just participate for a while? And let's pray for you. And let's hold you in this crisis of faith that you're having, because it's real. Do you see how there can be grace and accountability? Isn't that beautiful? I wish Elaine were at my church. <laughs> 
Isn't that a beautiful example of grace and accountability? And how we can treat each other as sinners, and, and not sinners, as Gentiles and tax collectors, right? Do you see how a life grounded in prayer and care for others can be incredibly powerful and life-giving? Do you see how a communal prayer, here it comes Christian, can transform us? Do I say that like every week or something? Is that my, if I did one of those word bubbles of my sermons, would transform be like the big word? I don't know. I want to give you guys actually the opportunity to practice praying for each other. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to actually like physically pray for each other right now because I know that some of you would be like, I'm out. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. But I do want to give you about three minutes to find someone, maybe someone, uh, I'm, like even get up and move around if you want. Someone maybe that you sort of know but don't know well and just share some joys and concerns. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for each other this week. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, Brittany, I don't pray well. I don't know what to say. I don't. You know what? Prayer is a shared life with God. So if you're walking down the street and you're thinking of that person, you can just say, God, thank you for, thank you for Cecilia. Thank you for Rachel. Thank you for Dan, right? Pray for that person. Does that sound scary? Yep. Okay. Does it sound like a baby step we can do? Okay. So seriously, two or three minutes, find two or three people, and just share a little bit of life. And then I will close us in prayer. If you want to exchange phone numbers or email addresses or Facebook, whatever, you don't have to. You know, you only have to do what you're comfortable with. But you know, that might that might be kind of cool too. Hey, thinking of you today, praying for you, and let's see what happens. Should we do this? Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. I have, a, I have a dream that we would be a community that prays without ceasing. Do you remember that scripture passage from the, from the first um, sermon that we would pray without ceasing? One of my dreams is that um, we, we do really good at lighting candles, which is, um, that one might actually be about to catch on fire if you'll just remove it, the long one. Um, we do a really good job of lighting candles, which is a very holy and beautiful thing to do. And it's also a very private, private thing to do. I have a dream that, you know, we usually have a couple of people available for prayer. I have a dream that we would be a community that would, like, the two designated prayers, there would be so many people praying together during this holy space that other people would just be like, oh, I'm not waiting in that line. Hey, do you want to pray together? And, and, and that there would just be, there would like just be 
lots of prayer happening, not because the two designated because the two designated prayers don't have the red line to God, right? They're just regular people. And so that we could see in each other the possibilities of, of sharing just a bit. Like, and, and then like when those two people pray together, then there's like, wow, that probably will continue throughout the week because how can you, I know when I am the prayer, how can I hold those prayers just for that two minutes, right? Prayer has the possibility to bind our community, bind it here on earth as it is in heaven. And that is beautiful and mysterious and exciting and overwhelming. But I think it might be worth it. So let us end. Let us pray. God, this community is a gift. This community is a gift in that we share life together and we see new possibilities. Help us to open the door of our life just a crack more with each other. And let us trust that that will bind us together in unimaginable ways. All for your glory. Amen.